Welcome to The Leadership Guide, the show that takes you from peak performer to legendary leader by helping you unlock your heroic potential to emerge into who you were meant to be. This show is not your typical show on leadership. We have real, raw, unplanned, and unedited conversations with individuals from a wide variety of industries and expertise to get into the reality of what leadership actually looks like in the world, not just theories that you read about in books. We leave the conversations unedited because leadership is not about perfection. And because this show is unplanned, you get unique insights and you get to see a side of these individuals that they don't usually share anywhere else. On today's episode, we have a conversation with Joe Scola, founder of Wise Teas, and discuss the creative process in tea design, adaptogens, what they are, and the science behind them the power of relentless positivity, the science of giving, and how it all relates to leadership. I'm your host, Cody Dakota, founder of The Leadership Guide, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, and finalist for the Extraordinarian Award for coaches with ideas that can change people, businesses, and the world for the better for my ideas on leadership. We are sponsored by KDDM Inc., your one-stop shop for growing your business. If you're an entrepreneur, you'll want to meet my friend, Tony Kaufman, and her team at KDDM Inc. to help you clarify your message, get seen, get heard, and get sales. Because most entrepreneurs get stuck in the digital and social media world and don't know how to stop losing money and leads. KDDM Inc., is a world-class digital marketing agency that offers professional video production, amazing US-based virtual assistants, and brings the best tools and resources in the industry for entrepreneurs with their done-for-you and done-with-you solutions. Thanks to KDDM Inc., more entrepreneurs are reaching their heroic potential. If you would like to be a proud sponsor of the Leadership Guide Show, please go to www.theleadership.guide and fill out the Contact Us form. We'll get in contact with you shortly. And don't forget, stay tuned to the end of the episode to discover how to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders with the goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofit causes, which are currently looking to impact the world and make it better for future generations. Now, onto the show. Hey, Joe, how's it going today? Going great, Cody. Great to be here, man. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this too. I right now I am actually drinking one of your teas. Your your Wise Ape tea I find to be extremely delicious, and it's it's been having some great side effects. I'm drinking Coconut Warrior right at this minute. Thanks, man. Glad you're enjoying it. That's one of our most popular teas. Yeah, it's a really nice coconut vanilla black tea with some turmeric and some awesome stuff. Absolutely. No doubts there. So, so Joe, I, I, I let people introduce themselves because you know yourself far better than I know you. So, Joe, tell us about who is Joe. So, yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Joe Scola. I'm the founder of Wise Ape Tea Company. Uh, we craft 
like really unique tea blends by sourcing ingredients from around the world, such as adaptogenic herbs. Um, so it's kind of an East meets West tea company where we blend these herbs in unique fashion um, towards wellness teas. Um, we've partnered each tea with a different um, nonprofit charity to give back as we grow, uh, which is something really important near and dear to my heart. Uh, it, it really exists at the core of the business and we can get into that why uh, later. But um, yeah, man, I've been on this uh, health and wellness journey really for my whole life, but like, like anything, ebbs and flows. Um, but uh, I was kind of thrust back into this, this world, uh, which became the catalyst for Wise8 because of a family illness. And uh, I found myself in this journey now, connecting with amazing entrepreneurs like yourself and wellness entrepreneurs. And uh, it's just such a cool community of people. And um, it's, I'm having a blast, man. I'm, I'm, you know, trying to live life to the fullest. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it seems like just my experience talking with people, having my own journey within this, that we, we kind of get pulled into these, these just amazing journeys that we kind of don't foresee. They kind of just come out of the blue. But when we like, when we go full steam down them, just the most amazing things happen that you would like, you never would have expected happen. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and often it's, we find ourselves in positions where you never could have imagined yourself doing what you're doing or being where you're at. You know, if you would have spoken to yourself five years ago and, and told yourself, Hey, five years, this is where you're going to wind up. This, it's, um, it's pretty mind boggling, man. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I know, at least for me, if you would have told me five years ago that I was going to be a speaker on stages and business coach, like, like, and, and leadership coach, like I would have been like, I'm going to be on stage. Yeah, right. I don't like speaking period. <laughs> right. Like, like, why would I get in front of a crowd? Like, and yeah, no, <laughs> it just completely blindsides you just how it happens. Was there a catalyst for you on that journey? Like, was there a specific thing or moment that kind of pushed you into that direction? Yeah, definitely. So, so, so within this, basically, when I first started to go into the corporate world, my plan was to go into accounting, which is like the complete opposite of what I'm doing now. And um, within doing the accounting work, I found very quickly, I didn't, I, I like the theory of doing the accounting. I didn't like the actual practice of it. Mm -hmm. And so like, like within that, I was just kind of like, well, this was like my whole plan was like, I'm just going to cruise down this thing and keep going till, you know, retirement age or whatever. And like, like this plan is not going to work for me at all anymore. And so like, I just, I didn't know what was going to happen. And then, um, I was, I was hanging out at a Panera bread. And uh, like a guy approached me, he was an entrepreneur and just started a conversation with me. Uh, and, and since that time, he's become one of my best friends. Um, and, and that meeting, just like at a random Panera Bread, completely changed everything. I was introduced to personal development, which was something that like, like mistakenly, I thought like only people who didn't have hope or who were really, really depressed, I thought that was the type of people who went towards personal development. And I was so wrong. I was so wrong. And uh, when I fell in love with personal development, I just had to figure out how do I do more of this? How do I get myself into this world? 
and actually make something happen with it. That was the catalyst for me. Now I'm curious, what was, what was the catalyst for you? How, how, how did you go from whatever you were doing before into making teas? Yeah, it was, a, it was a fast and abrupt catalyst for sure. And one of the most challenging times in my life. Um, previously, I had been in the tech uh, industry. I had a, tech, a video technology startup that uh, we were fortunate enough to raise some funding from angels. And we were part of this awesome accelerator in North Jersey, close to New York. And um, it was a really cool concept. It was kind of like, you know, kind of a sexy concept and we were getting some buzz and it was, um, it was just a neat time. And I was learning a whole lot then about entrepreneurship and, um, you know, sharpening my skills in that arena. And uh, unfortunately, three years into that venture, uh, my father was diagnosed with GBM brain cancer, which is one of the most fast moving brain cancers there is. It's, uh, it's a really tough one. And uh, at that point, um, I made the decision to kind of give all that stuff up and move back home to take care of him. And um, the, I guess the irony of it all is my dad and I had always shared uh, conversations and love for like health and wellness. Like he was the first one. He started sending me like Joseph Mercola articles back in like the early 2000s, like via email, you know, all this crazy stuff. Um, so that situation coming back home to take care of him really drove me to look for alternative treatments or complementary, um, you know, practices to help his health, to help his wellness, uh, anything to just kind of give him a better quality of life while he was enduring the, the illness and for my own stress as well. So I started researching teas and herbs uh, along with tons of other things and um, started using them for him, for myself. And um, that's kind of when the spirit of Wise Ape was really born. And uh, I, you know, I ran the idea past him actually, and he, he loved it. He gave me his blessing. And, uh, you know, unfortunately he passed 14 months after the illness. Uh, but at that point it was like the universe had kind of spoken to me and shown me this new path. And um, I decided like, that's what I needed to pursue. And, um, you know, the first thing we did was we created a partnership with the National Brain Tumor Society, uh, which was the foundation that we were donating to while he was sick. And it was a really, really neat thing to see come together because um, not only is this whole business really in honor of my dad in many ways, but that first partnership we locked down with our Chocolate Hustle tea blend, like 10% going back to this amazing organization, helping other people fight the same illness. Uh, that he was afflicted with. So it's, uh, it's kind of a bittersweet tale, but I'm, uh, you know, I feel really blessed and fortunate that I was able to spend so many beautiful moments with him before he passed. And we shared lots of laughter and we, we shared these awesome memories together. Um, and uh, as tough as it was, it, it led me to push into something amazing. So here we are. Definitely. I've got like three questions in my mind about all of this. The first one that I want to ask is, is during that time, what was the best lesson that you learned from him during those last 14 months that like, that you treasure to this day and that you think is going to like continue to take you to the end? Just his uh, relentless ability to be positive, like relentless. 
never quitting, never giving up, always staying positive, didn't matter what the doctors were saying, didn't matter what was happening to his body, just constantly mentally positive. And that's something that he always preached, but to see him, and that's something he always lived by example as well, but to see him in such trying circumstances, just pushing through, never quitting, never stopping, uh, it was a beautiful thing to see. You know, and ultimately we're all human. You know, we're not invincible creatures, but you know, he, he lived by it. He lived by it. So it was beautiful. Yeah. As, as you're saying that I'm, I'm getting chills in my body. Like, like I don't get chills too often, but like I, uh, when you see somebody going through the toughest of situations and yet somehow still able to look at the world and see the beauty in it, to see the positivity in it, regardless of all the nonsense that's going on. That's amazing. And I, I fully believe, I don't know if you would agree with me, but I fully believe that it was probably that attitude, that, that outlook on life that let him continue on for, you, you said 14 months. Yeah. When, when you said it's one of the fastest moving cancers. And, and a lot of people die really quickly once they're diagnosed with cancer. Uh, just, just like from my life, my, my grandfather got cancer. I, I want to say it was a lung cancer. He, he, was, a, he was a heavy smoker. And um, w- with that, when, during the first couple months of it, um, his, his condition got really terrible really quickly. Um, I, he, he looked like he aged like... 30 plus years over a couple months. It, it was that bad. Um, and then my aunt, my, my wonderful aunt basically told him, stop giving up, right? Like you need to fight. You are not dead yet. Go live your life until it is over. And he started to do that and he beat his cancer after that. And he, he's wow. still alive today. Like it's That's like, amazing. I, I want to say like, like, what would it be now? Maybe even 10 years later, he's still alive. When he had, he had, he was given less than a year to live and 10, 10 years, he's still alive. And it was that, that attitude change, right? He looked like he aged like 30 years in a matter of months and he's completely reduced that. He actually looks better now than before he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and so I truly believe that, that, that attitude, that mental belief right to stay positive truly allows people to live far longer than than maybe they should have you know what i mean absolutely yeah that's a beautiful story man and i'm i'm glad to hear that he's still thriving today um yeah the mind the mind is so much more powerful than we know you know i i just feel like we're we're just at the tip of the iceberg and learning how to really truly tap into the power of the mind and you know, what type of control does it have over our physiological beings, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, and how can we tap into that? Um, Really interesting stuff. Absolutely. Now, the the second question I had for you while you were going through all of that, you you mentioned that you're you're going, you, you were in this startup, things were moving forward, it was looking good, right? And then to, to go from that to completely getting away from that. Like I know that the catalyst is your dad and wanting to take care of him. And that makes perfect sense. But like 
what are the other emotions you're feeling that time? And, and what was it that allowed you to overcome those emotions to focus on what I would say is more important? Because that, that's a battle a lot of people face. They see opportunity in front of them and they see something they believe that is high in their values that they should tend to. And they have this kind of battle going on in their head. Like, should I, should I continue with this opportunity, even though it might take time away from this thing I value, or should I completely just give that up and spend time where I feel like I really should? How did you overcome th those types of thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I think oftentimes we tend to neglect what our gut is telling us and how things feel. And it's easy to look at opportunity and money or uh, respect in your industry and drive towards that regardless of how good it feels to you. And there were other things going on at the time where our company had changed a bit. And although we were driving towards success with it, there were certain things that were starting not to necessarily feel like they were fitting regardless. And then my dad got sick and it, to me at that point, it was kind of like a no brainer, but it was really tough for me to, the biggest challenge I'd say was like, I kind of, I didn't want to feel like I was giving up on something, mm. you know, because <laughs> there were other people involved in that project and um, there were investors involved in that project. And I never want to let anybody down. Yeah. Uh, I hate to commit to something and then let somebody down. That really, really bothers me. So that was like a big challenge. But at the same time, this is my dad. Like this is, I was really close with my father. I had so much reverence and respect for him. And um, like there was nothing that was really going to stop me from going home to take care of him and handle that. And at the time, there was no way I could split that time between his, his care and this business and really it would have if i tried to do both at the same time i it would have been little energy to both and um the business would have suffered my father would have suffered it just uh, it wouldn't have been fair to anybody and um i knew in my heart what i wanted to do and what i had to do and that was go home and, and spend the last 14 months of my father's life with him and zero regret regrets with that man you know Absolutely. Uh, yeah. What, what, I, what I love in that, and I think this is a, a large missing piece in the world right now, is, is well, it, it's kind of two pieces that go hand in hand, but it's that intuition and following what your heart is saying. Mm -hmm. I, there, there's actually some, some fascinating research behind the heart going on right now. Uh, it, it's actually called neurocardiology. Which is, which is basically the, the neurology in the heart. So your heart actually has neurons within it that function like a brain. And it communicates back and forth with your actual brain. And the, the impulses from your heart can overwrite the impulses from your brain. And the impulses from your brain can just also overwrite the impulses from your heart. And so you've got these communications going back and forth like that. And I think that a lot of times what we feel in our, in our heart, in our soul, whatever you want to call it, ties into that neurocardiology. And when we don't listen to it, 
we, we're kind of rationalizing things with our mind to, to supersede that, even though deep down we feel like we need to be listening. And I, I think that more people in the world, I, I think a lot of people are not listening to what their hearts are telling them. And they're rationalizing everything just with their brain. And I think that both types of thinking are really powerful. And I think that to feel really fulfilled in life, you need both working together, not one or the other. And you did that in that moment. You were, you were utilizing both of them because, because your heart's telling you, you got to go back to your dad. Your brain is saying, well, you know, I don't want to give up on this situation, but your brain is also rationalizing. I don't know how long I have with my dad. And when you combine the heart with the mind and saying, well, the heart is saying go with my dad. And I also rationally don't know how much longer it's going to be. And I also rationally have figured out that if I try to do both, it's not going to be fair to anybody. You're basically going all in where the two are connected. And I think that you, you brilliantly demonstrated that in your life. And I think more people need to do that. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's not easy to do either, right? Because yeah. we all carve out our own narrative. A lot of it's ego sometimes too, where you think you should be going in a specific direction or attaining certain things or making X amount of dollars or whatever it may be. The ego often can drive you towards decisions that aren't best suited for you. And um, it's hard to confront yourself sometimes. But situations like that force you to confront yourself. There's, you can't escape it. Like you, you're forced to confront yourself and your emotions. And, um, you know, hopefully people are fortunate enough to make the right choices. You know? Definitely. I'm 100% on board with you. Now, the third piece of, of what you mentioned in there, you, you touched on a very a key word that I, I think is really important to touch into within the context of leadership. And you said that, that kind of during that time with your dad, it drove the spirit of wise ape. And so I, I, I want to know and learn more about what was that spirit, what developed that spirit and, and what has that spirit kind of become today? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was a combination of things and it's kind of like what our company stands for at this point, right? It's, it's about altruism, right? So it's about giving back. Um, I was there servicing my dad, uh, at moments towards the end, like he was a child, like he was my own child. And I remember reflecting on that thinking, man, this is what he, he gave this to me when I was a child. And now I'm fortunate enough to be in this situation where I can give this back to him. Not everybody has this, not everybody has this time. Not everybody can give back like this. And I was there um, taking care of him, man. And as tough as it was, man, it was so spiritually rewarding um, to be able to do that for him. And uh, yeah, that's, and that's, so that's like the infusion of our, you know, our core of Wise Ape. Like, how can we give back? How can we, build this, this monster of a tea company that promotes health and wellness and gives, gives in other ways, but at the same time kind of give back to some of these other missions. And um, yeah, so it was all of that wrapped into one. It was the health, the wellness, um, 
the evolution, right? Like constantly, how can you continue to push through your own boundaries to become a better version of yourself today than you were yesterday? Um, and how can we help other people to do that through education or inspiration? Um, and how can we inspire others to give back? How can we inspire others to become altruistic in their lifestyles? And um, it was like this, this tornado of goodness that just kind of came into me at that time that just kind of came together. The pieces just kind of came together and I was doing a lot of self-reflection. I had a lot of time on my hands, just kind of sitting there in quiet rooms, um, thinking and writing and researching. So yeah, I don't know how it all happened. I just know it happened. (laughs) Definitely. And, and I think, that the spirit of giving is so important. And there, there's a ton of science that supports how important it actually is. Because like, like some people think like, I don't have enough to give, right? That, and that, that drives a lot of people and, and prevents them from giving. Um, I, even in my own life, that's, that's been a, a mental block that I've had in the past that I've had to figure out how to overcome. Because to give doesn't necessarily mean monetarily. And you can give in so many different ways. And what, the, what science is actually showing is that people who give are actually happier overall. They tend to live better lives. They have better relationships, um, which all of these tie together to, to support a healthier living, less disease, longer lives from this spirit of giving. And I, I think that is like, that's so powerful to think about. And then on top of that, right, we think like, oh, because I give something, they're getting something and I'm losing something. But what the science also shows is that when you give, physiologically, you actually receive a lot more than they do. And so it's actually more beneficial to give to somebody physiologically speaking than it is to receive from somebody. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could feel it, you know, when you, when you do go that extra mile or do a nice deed for somebody or what, and it could be something as simple as holding a door for an elderly person who's like, you know, five feet from the door, but you stand there the extra 10 seconds because it, it feels right. And it feels good. Um, and it puts a smile on their face, but just those little things, you can feel it in those little things. You can feel it in larger things. So that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Even, even just smiling at people, right? right? Like, like that alone, that, that's something I always come back to. Like I've heard, I have had, I have heard stories of people who were sober depressed. They were going to kill themselves that day. And the thing that prevented them from killing themselves was someone looked at them, smiled and said, Hey, like that's all they did. It, it didn't even develop into a full conversation. It was just recognition that they were alive that day, that they were an actual human being that was right there next to someone else. And that action alone prevented them from killing themselves. That's so powerful. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, we need more of that, man. We need, you know, this, this world is um, sometimes a scary place. You know, often I look at it and I wonder if people are just kind of underloved and overmedicated. And those little smiles, those little bits of communication, you know, people want to feel 
like they're part of something. People want to feel alive. They want to feel part of community. They want to be understood. You know, they want to be appreciated. And sometimes just a simple smile does that. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Definitely. And, and you brought up something really interesting with the whole, you said underappreciated and overmedicated. Um, <laughs> I think that a lot of, and I'm not saying that there's no good medication in the world. I think there's, there's medication that exists that's good for people. 100%. Uh, on the other end, I think that people are waving over-medicated. It's kind of like, oh, you have a problem? Let's give, let's give you something for that. And it's like, w- what we're missing is we're not asking the question, what is actually wrong with this person? Yeah. Just looking at the symptoms and just saying, okay, here, take this. That should help. Right. But then it doesn't. Why? Because the problem isn't in the feeling. It's something deeper than that. And that thing isn't changing. So it's like somebody cut off an arm, right? And you put a bandaid on it. It's like, no, that arm's going to continue to bleed no matter how many band-aids you put on it. Right. Like you need to do something serious if you're going to stop all that bleeding. But yet, like so often, that's what we're doing in life. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we're, we're reactive to a lot of these illnesses, right? Where we're trying to, once they occur, we're trying to then blanket them with medications. And, and like you said, there's always a time and place for some of these medicines. Um, but yeah, it's about getting to the root cause and what's happening where there's this many shootings what's happening where there's you know this many acts of violence like what's what's at the root of that what's people are unhappy you know people people don't feel love they don't feel community they don't you know they're distressed um so yeah man it's a great point absolutely so so now diving into the tea company your tea is is extremely unique it i like through like i've i've tried a bunch of different types of teas but i don't think that i've seen any tea company out there that's doing the kind of stuff you're doing so so i i want to hear more about what is it you're doing and how did you come to the idea that this is how you should go about designing tea i think that's kind of the best way i can use my words right now Well, thank you, first and foremost. I appreciate the compliment. Uh, there's tons of great tea companies out there, uh, but I think a lot of it came from just that time with my dad researching a lot of these like interesting adaptogens and herbs and then um, using them in tea form, but realizing there were really no products out there that were taking some of these cool herbs I was finding and putting them together in sy- synergistic ways. Um, and that's kind of where the idea came from. Yeah, and I'd love for you to dive into that. What are adaptogenics? And because I've done very little research around all of this, but it seems like there's a lot of differing opinions. And, and how did you kind of to get to adaptogenics in general? So, and adaptogens are a class of herbs, right, that essentially allow the body to better regulate stress. Um, that's like the principal function of like an adaptogen. Although many of these adaptogens or herbs um, also carry secondary properties. So like some, you know, might help you fall asleep easier. Some might help you help support 
um, cognitive function. Um, so like any herbs, there's different compounds and they all can support different biological functions. But as a class, adaptogens will help you better re regulate stress. Um, in terms of how I discovered them, dude, I don't, I don't remember exactly when or where. I just remember doing tons of research um, during that time and these herbs started popping up. Um, I know a lot of people now, like mushrooms are trending. So a lot of people are being introduced to adaptogens through the mushroom world. Um, but back then, I'm pretty sure some of the first ones I found were like Bacopa, because um, I was also playing around with nootropics. Um, and being an entrepreneur, I was always fascinated by things that could help support the brain naturally. So that, and that, that was our first blend, the chocolate hustle blend. I was looking to design something for myself to better support my entrepreneurial pursuits and health and wellness, um, which is why we went with some of the herbs that we did. So Bacopa, Tulsi, Ashwagandha, and then the Yerba Mate is the base. I was drinking some Yerba Mate then as well. So just started playing around and combining some of these things together and it, it tasted pretty good. Uh, I've always been pretty good with like formulating flavor profiles. By no means am I like a professional chef, but just like putting flavors together, it's always been fun for me. I've always had a good time doing it. So once I started playing with these herbs and learning about their uh, potential wellness effects, then I would sit there and single out each herb individually and taste them individually and say, hey, these three actually work really well together. Oh, by the way, the, the effects kind of work synergistic together. Hey, we might, we might have something here. This is kind of cool. Um, and that was kind of like the start of, of it. And each of our teas, we typically start with like a function in mind or some physiological, you know, something we want to support in the body, wellness, wellness driven. Uh, so the first blend was like brain support, cognitive function, concentration, focus, a little bit of energy from the caffeine and the yerba mate. Um, and then we moved on to dream, orange dreamsicle and coconut warrior, which were our next two blends. And at the time I had the aura ring, which is like an, a fantastic device to help track your. Yeah, your definitely. And like, I was really surprised that although I thought I was sleeping amazing, my, like, my deep sleep levels were not all that impressive. Uh, as, I've hear, as I hear most, a lot of people with the R-ring struggle to get their deep sleep levels up. So I started playing around with like some of these sleep herbs to, you know, for my own, to, to try and improve my own sleep. And that's kind of how Orange Dreamsicle was born. Uh, so yeah, we typically start with like that, that wellness function in mind. And then from there, we do our research on the herbs. And then from there, really start playing with, once we like isolate our select herbs or ingredients, we start trying to play with like flavor combinations and stuff like that. Absolutely. And, and I think that's such a, such a fascinating process to, to go about designing, designing anything, right? It, it's about going to the end first, right? What is it we want to accomplish with this? This is, I would call this the one thing mentality from, from the one thing book, which is a great book. I've actually got it right here in front of me. I've got, I've got a bookcase literally right in front of me. And it's, right. so this is the one thing book. Um, and that's part of their mentality is, is you go to the end first. You think about, okay, 
what is the end result we actually want to achieve? And then you work backwards from there. Okay, if this is what we want to achieve, how do we actually get there, right? And so your, your end goal for the first one was brain functioning, right? How do I get my brain to perform at a higher level? And how, do I, how can I accomplish this with T, which is, which is uh, a, a, just a, a great area within the wellness world to dive into because there's a lot of opportunity right there. Um, and then, and then you, you went about, okay, well, if I'm designing a tea, I need this type of material, right? So looking at these different materials that exist in the world, what's actually going to create what we're looking for and how can they be synergistically used, right? Uh, I think there are a lot of people who would look at something like that and they would go like, oh, this one helps with sleep. This one helps with sleep. This one helps with sleep. Let's throw it all together right? Like, let's just like, we're not going to look at the synergy of it. We're just going to throw it into a thing and say it's good. Right. And then, and then you don't know what's going to happen if it's not synergistic. Right. That's right. Yeah. And and it's a lot of trial and error too. Right. And I mean, the, the thing with any type of herb or any class of herb is everyone's biology is so different that you don't know how, like I could react completely different to one of these teas or any herbal supplement than you would. Uh, so it's uh, it's an interesting world to play in, man. And different dosages, you know, you might feel a profound effect from the smallest amount of valerian root, where it might take like two straight grams for me to to feel anything. You know. Yeah, definitely. And and that how how do you go about playing within that? I'm just curious, just because it it, it can be so varied between people. How do you how do you actually play in that game? I mean, the first thing we try to do is we try not to put like a million different things in our blends because then you start losing potency for like everything. And while I wish we could have like giant, like 10 gram tea bags, we're limited to like the size. So we do have to be specific in what we choose. And a lot of times that, that might be um, just kind of playing with things in house and testing formulas within the team, sending some of our teas out to, um, some of our tribe members ahead of time before we launch to see what people think of them and how they're reacting to them. Um, so, I mean, at this stage in the game, we do a lot of crowdsourcing with stuff like that to try and just kind of dial in and hone in on what's working. But yeah, it starts in-house. It starts with me and a few people on our team really looking at some of the research, um, then starting to play with combinations, seeing how we feel, seeing how it tastes, um, and really starting to sculpt all that together. But yeah, it's, um, you can't always please everyone either. You know, that's just how it is. So yeah, there's some people who aren't, all of these teas aren't for everybody, you know. But I think if you build something that you're passionate about, that you and your team are passionate about, that makes it much easier, you know. Absolutely. And, and there, were, there were so many powerful concepts hidden in there. For instance, one of the things that I saw was really important that you mentioned that I could foresee a lot of people just very quickly overlooking is the concept that we're not going to put everything into one little tea bag, right? So often in the, like the entrepreneurial world and the business world, people go like, okay, I'm going to do everything, right? Like, okay, like, you know, instead of like trying A, B, and C, I'm going to do A through Z all at once. And then they do nothing well. Like none of it actually works. 
and, and, and instead when they should focus on just a couple proven strategies or just a couple avenues that are good places to start or that they can do well themselves, right? When, when you try and do everything, you become ineffective at everything. Yep. And, and that, that's, that's such an important lesson. And it, it, I could so easily see people missing that within the concept of a tea bag because that's not what you're thinking about when, when, you're, you know, when you're not creating tea, right? You're thinking like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Just a couple of things. But how often do people try to do literally everything at once and then they fail at everything? And then yep. they wonder why nothing's working. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because it kind of relates to entrepreneurship a bit too. Like if you're trying to, listen, some people are better at multitasking than others, but there's some research that's been shown where if you're multitasking too much, you're obviously, your, your productivity is actually going to drop. And it's kind of the same thing, right? Because if you're trying to do too many things at once in your day, it, you're going to pay for it. You know, those, each of those tasks are going to suffer for it. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, that, that principle can apply to, to many things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and tagging off of that, I would actually make the argument that even though technically speaking, some people are better at multitasking than other people, there's, there's two challenges with that. One, usually the people who think they're better at multitasking are actually way worse at multitasking than the people who don't think they're good at multitasking. So there's like, there's this like this uh, wrong perception that a lot of people seem to hold, right? Like I'm great at multitasking, but they're actually really, really bad at it. Um, the other thing is that within that, I think that no matter if you're better at it or worse at it, you're actually reducing your productivity period and it, it comes back to this contact uh th this uh, idea of uh and I'm, I'm forgetting the the technical name of it but basically what happens is every time you switch a task there is there's a, a period of time where your brain has to readjust from from thinking about this to thinking about this and there's there's that time period happens every single time you switch tasks, no matter what happens. And, and the most, you know, the classic example of this is someone's reading in a book, right? They get halfway through a paragraph and someone asks them a question. They look up to answer that question, to start talking about it. They look back at the book and they're like, where the heck was I? Right? So they have to restart the whole paragraph over. That's basically what happened was that because you shifted your focus and shifted back it, in that time, you've actually put yourself further backward than if you would have had like the door closed so they couldn't ask you the question and just powered through the paper. And then once you were done with it, when you opened the door, they had that question and you could more effectively answer them. 100%, yeah. A lot of it's momentum, right? Um, when you're working on a task, you're, you're almost like warming up. You're almost like getting into your flow state for a specific yeah. time sometimes. And if you're jumping around or taking a call or doing, yeah, you're, you're not going to get to that peak performance level. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and flow state, that, that's a whole fascinating industry. Um, I, I know before we started recording, I briefly mentioned um, um, Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler, who've got a, a lot of research behind flow states and flow consciousness. And um, some of what they say is that 
there, there are some people that believe that the, the flow consciousness is actually like the purpose of life. Like they, they're so bold as to say that, like that is actually what we're seeking out this, this form of consciousness where we're so enveloped in what we're doing right now. And, and like time disappears. It feels better. We're, we're more excited to be within this, you know, like all these things, this moment of time, no matter what you call it, you know, in different things, they call it different things. Like apparently in basketball, they call it being unconscious, which is a very strange way of putting it. Um, and then, or like if you're a runner, which I, I used to do a lot of running and they, you would call it runner's high. I loved that feeling. I, that feeling is, is so wonderful in my mind. Um, and there, there's a lot of other names, just the technical term of it's flow. Some people say like that is the source of life. Like that is what we're all seeking out. And I'm, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that's like the one thing we're all seeking out, but I think it's actually really important to do well. And the thing is when you're shifting around, it's actually impossible to get into that flow consciousness because part of what flow is, is being so enveloped in it that everything else kind of disappears. It like um, literally what happens is a part of your conscious mind shuts down and you're basically mostly working out of your subconscious, which, um, which the, they've compared it to this, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Your conscious mind is like trying to do extremely uh, sophisticated math problems on a post-it note while your subconscious mind is like a NASA supercomputer. Like that is the operating power behind the two. And, and so when you go into those flow states, you're diving into the subconscious, that NASA supercomputer. But when you're purposefully shifting back and forth between things, you're forcing yourself into that conscious mind. And so it's like, it's like trying to do all of it on a sticky note, which I, I don't know if you've ever tried to write a bunch of stuff on a sticky note, but it doesn't usually end up very well. Every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's... Um... And that state, I don't know, do you practice meditation at all? Is that something that you, is part of your daily regimen or? A little, kinda. I don't um, necessarily do like, like your, like, um, your like Middle Eastern type of meditations. I I've do, uh, I, I work with a system called HeartMath, which okay. is, which is, uh, I, we talked about neurocardiology earlier. It kind of dives into the neurocardiology and, aligning those different systems to be in sync and so it's very very similar to meditation just not exactly the same thing so do you find yourself achieving those flow state um, highs while you're practicing the um, the uh, heart math meditation absolutely yeah. definitely and yeah. and i know in meditation too that a lot of meditation that's actually basically the the whole goal of what you're trying to get into with that meditation is that flow like consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean that I really try and make that a big part of my daily regimen in the mornings it tends to set me up for success. Even if there's plenty of challenges presenting themselves that day, I, I see myself kind of reacting to them um, much, much more efficiently and much more calm and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to just kind of create clarity in the morning. Do you do your heart math in the morning? 
Yeah. Well, and, and I like to do it all throughout the day too. That's, that's part of what I like about the heart math system with, with a lot of meditation practices and not all meditation practices, but a lot of them, the way they're designed is you kind of have to cut yourself off and seclude yourself very much. Whereas the heart math meditation, you can actually do it while you're in a conversation with somebody and they're never going to know that you're doing it unless you tell that to them. Um, and, and so like, I, I think that's a really powerful tool to have where you, you achieve something similar to, uh, to doing a meditation, but you can do it at any moment because like, I don't know about you, but I've had those conversations with people where like, they're really getting on your nerves and like they're hitting every single button purposefully. Right. And, and that's a hard conversation to be in, but to, to be able to, call on a like a meditative like presence mm-hmm. really helps that situation go through smoothly where most people would do you know all sorts of different things from anywhere from yelling to just storming out of the room to you know like people with some anger management problems may end up just punching the other person absolutely yeah it, it allows you to get ahead of your emotions right so you kind of see where your brain wants to go before it goes there and you're kind of able to like subdue that and yeah are you secretly heart mathing right now cody i'm i may or may not be secretly heart mathing right now and you will you will never know (laughs) oh my gosh but um but like meditation is is a super powerful thing in general there's 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 also some amazing research behind meditation there, um, basically meditation has been compared, uh, and I'm, I'm forgetting what the, 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 um, technical names of the medications are, but meditation has been shown to be just as effective as some of the most powerful depression medicine in the world. Um, so like, like doing that to start your day is basically the equivalent of, of taking medication without taking medication. Uh, plus, on top of that, one of the things they've shown is that doing 15 minutes of meditation in a day helps you fall asleep 15 minutes faster, which, like, if you think about it, it seems like a perfectly even trade-off, and you're like, well, that doesn't make much of a difference until you look at the sleep that actually happens after you do meditation. Because on top of getting to sleep 15 minutes faster, you actually fall into more deeper levels of sleep, which is really important, which you, you talked about aura earlier. How important is deep sleep? Yeah, it's everything. Sleep is everything. Yeah, it's the master controller of your biological functions. It cleans out the plaques from your brain at night. You know, it's, um, yeah, it can help prevent illnesses and disease or promote them if you're not getting the right type of rest and sleep. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, that, that's actually a, I think that's part of a lot of the challenges that's going on in the world right now. Actually, they've also shown that sleep affects your weight too. And so not getting enough sleep can help you become overweight. Right. So one, one, one of the, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so craving carbs and sugars and feeling hungry. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And, and so like there, there are so many benefits to sleep that so many people are missing in the world right now 
especially in the United States, because we've got this like super hustle mentality, which was like, which was basically started from the, um, from the industrial era. And it's, I, I think it's causing a lot of the issues that we're going through right now. Yeah. And Hey, there's nothing wrong with hustling, but you got to know like how to find that balance. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. It's, 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 there, it's, hustle it's uh do you know who christopher lockhead is the name rings a bell but i can't say that okay um he's got a podcast his his podcast used to be called legends and losers it's now called follow your different um which both are very brilliant names personally i like legends and losers a little bit better as a name but i understand why he made the transition to follow your different because that's more along the lines of what his brand represents. One of the things he always talks about, which, which I think is absolutely hilarious. He, he calls it hustle porn, right? <laughs> um, basically you've got these, these hustle porn stars in the world who are like promoting this, this like super hustle mentality and it's damaging a lot of people um, because of that. And you know, you can, you can probably name a few of them, who, who promote that. And what he says is like, like if, if you don't know you need to hustle in the entrepreneurial world, like, why are you getting into the entrepreneurial world? Like that should just be a given. Like if you're not going to hustle, don't try and do it because it's just not going to work for you. But like to, to make it like the thing of all things, like the most important thing of all of it, it, gets into really dangerous waters really quickly. And I don't think that a lot of people kind of highlight what the dangers of what I would call over hustling is. Right. Right. Yeah. Same as like overtraining, you know, same as overtraining the gym. And, uh, and a lot of that content's great. And I think it could be a great motivator. It could be inspirational, but yeah, you need to know how to turn the hustle off when you need to turn the hustle off, you know, because you could just be, it could be a detrimental to your productivity the next two days if you're hustling too hard, whatever that might be on day one, you know? So finding that balance and like understanding that this is most likely a marathon, it's not a sprint. And you also want to find enjoyment in life. You want to find that balance to enjoy, you know, if you're hustling so hard, that you don't even love what you're doing. You're just hustling. You're just grinding because that's the sexier, cool thing to do. But you're like, you're miss, you're missing life, you know? So Absolutely. But I, but I get it. Some of that content's fun. It's cool to watch, but it should be used as a tool, right? It should be like, Hey, let me uh, kick my butt into like, you know, fifth gear this morning. Let me throw on some, we don't need to drop names, but <laughs> X, Y, or Z. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's kind of like uh, you, when looking at a toolkit, right? You need to have multiple tools in your toolkit. Sometimes you need a hammer, right? Because you've got a nail and you got to pound that nail, right? And that's kind of like what hustle is, right? The problem is if the hammer is the only thing in your tool set, you approach everything like it's a nail. And then you, you're wondering why you're trying to put in a window and the, the hammer keeps breaking the glass. Like, you're like, why isn't this working? It's because you need another tool. Yeah. Yeah. 
it happens a lot, man. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm just curious because we talked about, we just brought up tools. What are some of the, the most important tools you utilize as an entrepreneur um, in your life uh, to, to drive your brand, your business to success? What are some of those tools you utilize? Uh, most of them are just like wellness tools. So like I'd mentioned meditation, um, that really helps to set my day, sets the tone for me. Um, physical activity, whether it's like a nice deep stretching routine in the morning or uh, sometimes followed by an intense workout, um, different tools in the gym, obviously. Um, and then different supplemental tools like teas or herbs or, um, you know, any other supplements. Um, I, although I do try and keep things mostly like natural. I'm, I'm like a big believer in like slow drip health. So like just kind of constantly feeding good stuff into the system. I mean, I'm human. I'll have a cheat day here and there. I'll have a cheat weekend, whatever. I'll enjoy, I'll enjoy some good food. But uh, yeah, just constantly kind of being conscious of what you're putting into your system because that's going to have a profound effect on your productivity, a profound effect on your mood, uh, a profound effect on long-term health, which feeds back into the cycle. Um, and then just um, trying to create systems and routines for myself that I know make myself better. So, and this is a challenge for me sometimes, but instead of like watching YouTube at night before bed, like reading a, reading a good book, getting into the, creating those good habits, those good practices. Uh, but every once in a while I might throw on Kill Tony because I want to laugh or I might throw, you know, but really setting up those systems for success that I know like, hey, this is going to create the, the healthiest version of me today and tomorrow and beyond. And just understanding what those things are. Um, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning all the time, you know, and I meet interesting people like yourself who drop knowledge on me and I'm like, oh, I should check out that book or I should, I should look into that research or I should try the heart math out or whatever it may be. I think it's good to experiment and kind of find what works for you. Um, and, and kind of, if it's working for you, move forward with it, play with it. How far can you go with that? How far can you take the heart math? You know? Yeah. So I hope that answered your question in terms of uh, tools, specific tools. Yeah, definitely. And, and what, what's I think is great. And yet so many people probably will overlook sadly is that everything you just mentioned, they're not hard things to do. Right. And they're things you hear pretty often. Right. But, but so often people are looking for the sexy thing or like the newest thing, right? When like, you just have to go back to what's tried and proven, right? Yeah. Like the, the, you don't have to do the sexiest things to, to become someone who's super sexy. And I'm not talking like physically, like you, that can be too, right? I'm not saying that, you know, doing workouts isn't going to turn you into someone sexy, but like, like you can look at some of the most successful people in the world and they're not physically sexy, but what they're doing in the world is super sexy. You, you know what I mean? And they're not, it's not like they did all the super sexy things, the newest things every single day to get there. What they did to get there were usually the super simple things and they just did it over and over and over again. 
And that, that's such a, a, an important key that so many people are missing. They, they go to one thing and they're like, this is the thing to beat all things. And they're like, yes, let's do that, right? When, when they just need a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. They need to enjoy life a little. They need to take care of their health, right? Yeah. And that's what actually ends up allowing them to thrive, discovering who they are and what works for them. Right. Because one of the things we've mentioned a couple different times in different ways is not everything works perfectly for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, so just taking the time to actually say, does this actually work for me? Right. So many people find that super sexy thing and they're like, oh, it's going to work for me. And they just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And they don't ask, is it actually working? Right. And then if they stopped and asked that question, is it actually doing something for me? they discover, oh, wait a second, it's not actually serving me in any sort of way. And like, like, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I was that person, right? Especially when I first got into the entrepreneurial world. I'm like, oh, there's this great thing over here. Oh, there's this great thing over here and I'm gonna get this and I'm gonna get that, right? And I spent a lot of money doing that. I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars. It was ridiculous. Not how you should approach an entrepreneurial beginning of your journey. Uh, but I did that and I have luckily grown to learn like most of that stuff I didn't need. Most of that stuff hasn't helped in my success. Uh, some of what has helped in my success, I didn't necessarily need at that time and it would have been far more beneficial to get it at a different time. And like, like if, if I would have really just stopped and say like, do I need this right now? I would have come to the conclusion of, no, I don't need this right now. It's not really going to serve me. And I luckily have that mindset now where I can, I can see the plethora of opportunities that happen to pop up when you start finding opportunities, right? Like, have you found this that like once one opportunity pops up and you go after it, all of a sudden you're like overloaded with opportunities and you're like, why are all these opportunities coming at me at once? Sure. And you have to learn how to say no, you yeah. know, because uh, I don't know for you, but for me as an entrepreneur and like deeply, like I identify as a creative. So I'm constantly like, I'm constantly wanting to create more and more things, more and more products. This over here, here's an idea here. Here's a concept here. And when I was younger, it was to, to a detriment because I would try and chase all these different ideas because it was exciting. It was fun. Let me do this over here. Let me do that over there. But ultimately, I, projects weren't getting complete, you know, and I was failing here. This was half done. And I just, it, what, I wasn't seeing potential from anything, you know. And as I kind of matured a bit, I started to understand that it's okay to say no. Um, and, you know, you need to learn to dial in to focus intensely coming back to the multitasking idea right just on a different level you need to focus on this one thing with all of your energy to birth it to create a beautiful thing at the highest level before you can go chase something else and um, for myself personally I found myself doing that when I was young and now I've like kind of learned you know but those thoughts are still there you know I still have a million ideas and write stuff down but I just you know I'll bank them for a rainy day, you know? Um, well, you touched on something interesting too earlier, not to rewind too far, but. Oh, go for it. Uh, you had mentioned um, uh, 
how people want, they're attracted to in entrepreneurship to doing these, to trying the, the latest sexy thing. Yeah. Right. The other thing people tend not to do is like give things a chance sometimes. So the thing that might seem the most unsexy, whether it's meditating or reading for 15 minutes before bed every night or an hour in the morning, every morning, like you need to do that consistently to create that compound effect that leads to that, those greater results um, down the road. And it's not always the most fun. There you go. It's a the great compound book. Effect yeah, by Darren book. Hardy. I've got that. Yeah. Also, here, here's another one. The slight edge, right? Okay. This is, Olson. They're, yeah, they're basically the same concept in both of these books. There's another one. I haven't gotten an opportunity to read it. I've heard supposedly it's the best when it comes to this concept but it's Atomic Habits. It's a newer one. I haven't gotten the opportunity to read it, but I've heard from people that I highly trust that it's one of the best within this concept. But, but continue. Yeah, no, I mean, that was, that was just pretty much it. It's like the compound effect takes time. You know, it's, it's building off of consistency. So if you are coming into something thinking that, looking for immediate gratification or immediate results, it's not always going to work that way. You're not going to meditate one day and like feel necessarily feel amazing and like just, and if you're like, Oh, I don't know. I don't feel that different. Like you got to give it a chance. You know, you have to take time and be consistent with things to know what the results are. And then the other thing you touched on was this doesn't serve me right now. And that's okay too, because something that might've served you three years ago might not serve you now. And it's okay to learn and grow and evolve and take on things that serve you now and serve your goals now because your goals might change, your lifestyle might change, um, and your priorities change. Absolutely. And on top of that, I would say you change as a person, right? It's, it's that, uh, I want to say it's, it's the Chinese or Japanese proverb. I think it's Chinese. I could be wrong if I'm wrong. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm human. I make mistakes too. But it, it, it's the concept that uh, you never go through the same river twice because each time you go through the river, the river has changed and you have changed. That's beautiful. Definitely. Uh, yeah, and, and so many people need to recognize that, right? Like, like. In both respects, right? They, they see like, oh, I could use this like five years down the line. Well, don't worry about it right now. If it, I mean, that'll be great for you in five years. Get it then, right? But you don't have to focus on it now, right? right. And, and the other thing that a lot of people do is, you know, five years down the line, they're like, oh, this was the thing that helped me get here. I'm going to hold on to dear life to this thing, right? And it's like, well, that's actually the one thing that's holding you back, right? right. Like, um, and like, I, I'm thinking of it kind of like this, like so many businesses start their businesses like on social media, right? And like, there have been businesses who started their business on social, on like Facebook, they were kicking butt. They were doing super awesome. Facebook changed their equations and the business died. Why? Because they were so attached to what was working in the past. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so attached to doing it on Facebook because that's what was creating all of my success. But then it stops creating all of that success. And if you continue to hold on to it, it 
you're going to drown, right? When you need to let go of that and start pursuing the next thing that's actually going to serve you well. Yeah, adapt, evolve, thrive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see, you could look back, look at Blockbuster Video. (laughs) Exactly. Which, by the way, has one of the funniest Twitter accounts, like the last remaining Blockbuster still tweets out. (laughs) Really? Just hilarious stuff. I've, I've heard that there's only one left. It's privately owned, and it's like in Alaska, right? Uh, I think it's like it's somewhere in the Midwest, I want to say, but yeah, it's like, but it's funny. Their, their Twitter account's funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, they didn't choose, they held on to that old way of doing business, right? Um, Netflix came in, they laughed at Netflix, and then, and we've seen that time and time and time again. But yeah, the same can go for personal development. You know, you might be holding on to something that served you three, five years ago. And maybe that elevated you to where you are now, but you may, you may have transcended that point. Maybe you need that next, that next thing, whatever it is, to bring you to the next level, to bring you closer to your, your, your goals. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Now, I'm personally curious. We're talking about transcending, moving on to the next goals. Where, where do things go from where you are currently? I'm curious. With, with Wise Ape Tees, where are you going to go from here? What's kind of what's next for Wise Ape Tees? Because I thoroughly enjoy the tea. I think it's great. And I'm just curious, like, what's next for you guys? Where, where do you foresee things going right now? Well, I mean, we're, we're building an awesome community of tribe members. Um, it's been so cool to connect with people who appreciate what we're doing. And it's been awesome to serve them and hear some of the reactions and uh, read these like little messages and notes and how we're affecting people in their day-to-day lives, whether it's helping them get better sleep or uh, just giving them joy in their day. That's like, that's just the amazing part of this business. It's like hearing from people who love our stuff and knowing that it's a positive impact. Um, so I could promise you that we're going to continue to pump out um, products that are directed towards wellness, health, uh, positivity, altruism, we're working on a few new products. Um, we, we might be jumping outside of the, just the standard T realm uh, soon. So we're playing okay. with some things. Um, we do have a couple kombuchas out right now. They're local to New Jersey. We, we worked with an awesome company, uh, culture company, and did a collab on those with some of our tea blends. Um, so we like to experiment. We like to network and, and meet other like-minded individuals and companies and, and kind of see what comes. Um, so aside from like future products, we're looking to expand our reach. We, we should be moving to Amazon pretty soon to, Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. To make it easier for, for our community to uh, have quick and easy access to us and to also uh, reach new people who haven't heard of us yet. Amazon's an amazing portal for that. Um, yeah, and a few, a few other things in the works. But uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing that we always focus on is holding true to like our core values and our core mission, uh, altruism, performance, evolution, the APE. And um, that's, you know, that's where everything is, kind of... Hold on, is that where ape came from, from those three things? It's, it's not where it came from. Okay. 
but it's just that it happened to fit. It happened to kind of come together. It was like, again, one of those synergistic things where it was like, yeah, this is like, this is what we are. This is, this is awesome. Um, but, but why Zape as a name really is symbolic and representative of the balance between mind and body strength and wisdom, right? You have the, the strength of this incredible um, animal, the gorilla, and then you have the third eye of wisdom. And so it really represents that balance, you know, strength and wisdom. And, and that's something that I always saw my dad. He was just a special human, you know, and um, it, it really, it's really reflective of like who he was. Like he, he was this strong, athletic, like seemingly invincible guy. Like I heard like growing up, I heard like legends of like stuff he had, you know, like, and obviously it's my dad. So I'm a little biased, but <laughs> it was just this, you know, I had this like vision of who he was. Um, and then I would see him, you know, and then come to find out he was like a lit major and he's like this gentle, kind hearted soul and he can make anybody laugh and he would warm up a room. Um, so to see that balance in him, again, it just all came together in this, in this uh, business here. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Absolutely. And the, one of the things that I like to talk about and have, have like a personal mission to create in the world is more legendary leaders and how are legendary leaders created and, and how do people become legendary leaders? And one of the, the misconceptions that sometimes happens around that is when, when people think about legendary leaders, they immediately think of like the top business people in the world. And though they are legendary leaders, I'm not going to like take that away from them. That's not the only thing that contributes to a legendary leader. Sometimes it's the, the most unassuming people that actually become legendary leaders and inspire someone else to become a legendary leader. And, and for you, what I hear in the way you talk about your dad and the, the way you've designed your business around so many things that were important to you and him together, right? What I hear is that to you, your dad was a legendary leader. And for, he was a legendary leader to multiple people, it sounds like, but even if, he was only a legendary leader to you, even if that was the case, sometimes that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. You know, legendary doesn't have to be worldwide. Legendary could be one person and what that one person inspires with their life. Yeah, that's a beautiful sentiment. Yeah. I think also like when I, when I think of the, um, legendary leaders i like that sounds good when i think of legendary leaders i often think about how do you react in the face of adversity you know because that's what this life is man that's what this world is like it's not going to be a smooth sailing easy ride we are meant to experience adversity for a reason we're meant to experience that to tap into parts of ourselves that might be uncomfortable to tap into. But how are you going to react to that? You know, and how are you going to push forward? And is it going to be with positivity? Because there's several paths you can take, but how do you push through those tough times 
and you know how can you push through and and serve others absolutely i i have to 100 percent agree with you there i i think it is the adversity that allows people to become all they have the potential to be i don't think it's possible to to become legendary. I don't think it's possible to, to change the world, right? I don't think it's possible to change one life without having gone through something yourself adversity wise. It, and, you know, the adversity is going to be different for different people, right? Like, like for you, it was your dad dying from cancer, right? That was, that was a huge adversity for you that you had to overcome he probably had something else that was his adversity unless by some crazy coincidence his dad died from cancer too which would be like like crazy coincidence if that's what it was but I, from the way you're laughing i'm sure that's not what happened <laughs> that definitely wasn't that no but yeah yeah you're right everybody faces their own adversity um yeah it's uh I think it's a beautiful thing, man. And I think people need to realize and start to recognize that like we're constantly, you're going to be tested. Like you're going to be tested. It's going to happen and it's going to be in different ways. But again, like who do you want to be? If you're looking from the outside in, who do you want to be reacting to that situation? How do you want to handle it? How do you wish you would handle it? Um, and a lot of the things we talked about earlier, some of these practices or tools in your toolkit might, you know, might hopefully allow you to react to some of those situations, you know, better than if you didn't have those tools in your toolkit. Absolutely. 100% with that. And it, uh, this ties into something that I think is really important. Like we, we were talking about flow earlier, right? Being something that's important to kind of get to, that like that that purpose in your life something that i think is also really important is legacy right what is that legacy you want to leave behind right during some of my toughest moments in my life one of the things that i fell back on and i continue to fall back on during trying times right is what is the legacy i want to leave behind what do when i die right what do i want people to say about me right? What do I want my future kids to say about me, right? Do, do I want them to look up and say like, oh, that's my dad. You know, he was trying to do some cool stuff in the world, didn't succeed. Like, is that what you want them to say about you? Or do you want them to say like, wow, that right there, that's my dad. He went out in the world and he did something awesome. I'm so proud that he's my dad, right? That's the legacy I want. Mm -hmm. You know, I want people to, to look at me and say, wow, you know, what he did in the life, that inspired me to do something amazing. Yep. His presence in my life allowed me to achieve that heroic potential. You know, that's the legacy I want to leave behind. Yeah, I have to agree. Like uh, serving some type of inspiration for others, right? Some type of positive inspiration for others. Whatever that might inspire them to do or become or whatever trait that might inspire them to pick up or book might inspire them to read. But that type of inspiration towards positivity, I think is so important. Um, yeah. I, I have to agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. Joe, just, just cause I'm curious. 
what is the legacy you want to leave behind? I mean, we, I mean, we really just kind of tapped into it, man. Um, so I, I currently, you know, I have a wife, uh, my mom's still living. So we have this like tight knit family, which is beautiful. I've got some amazing cousins and this awesome community that I'm constantly expanding. So yeah, for me, it's just continuing to create positivity and inspiring others to do the same, man. Inspiring others to change for the better, inspiring others to elevate themselves and become a better version of themselves than they were yesterday. And that's all I could ask for. You know, if I can help somebody become a better version tomorrow than they were yesterday, I am so happy. So happy. That's beautiful, man. I, I love it. I'm 100% on board with you for that. And, and you're doing it, right? That, that's the other important thing that I think people need to tap into is once they see that legacy, they need to go and do something about it, right? It, it's one thing to be like, oh, I would like for people to see me in this way, right? It's a whole different thing to actually get in the trenches and actually get people to see you in that way. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, and nobody's perfect, man. You know, you and me, we're both like <laughs> constantly trying to get better at these things and we'll have our downfalls and we'll learn our lessons. And then we look to look up to other people um, who inspire us. And, uh, but it's a beautiful thing being part of this community where we have access and we're exposed to, to that. But uh, it's a, it's a never ending cycle, man. It's the quest for knowledge, the quest to keep learning, to keep getting better. Absolutely. So, so Joe, within everything we've talked about so far, is there, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you're like, we got to talk about this? Like, I'm like, I'm totally feeling it. Let's talk about it. Is there anything that's going through your mind like that right now? Um, man, we covered a lot, Cody. Um, I mean, this has been a blast, a fun conversation. I'm trying to think off the top. I, I definitely want to give a shout out to some of our um, nonprofit partners, if that's cool. Yeah, that's, that'd be great yeah. because you're, you're doing so, like your, your tea is supporting some really amazing causes. I'd love to hear what those, those different organizations are and what it is they're doing because I, I've, from, from what I've researched into, they're doing some really powerful things. So I would love for you to do that. Yeah. Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, the National Brain Tumor Society, uh, obviously they focus on brain tumor research, uh, brain cancer research, um, an amazing organization. Uh, the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, um, one of the foremost organizations in the world contributing to Parkinson's research studies. Um, the cool thing with them too is 100% of everything they take in goes right back to research. Um, the, um, Warrior Angels Foundation, two veteran brothers who found this organization to help troops with PTSD and TBI, um, the Mar brothers, amazing individuals who suffered with these things themselves after returning from, from serv serving overseas. And with the help of Dr. Mark Gordon, they started coming into more naturalistic means to, uh, reduce brain inflammation and eliminate TBI and rebalance hormone health. Um, so that's the Warrior Angels Foundation, awesome organization. Uh, the One Mind, uh, One Mind organization 
for brain health, you know, helping to fight the stigma of um, uh, mental illness and um, all types of brain health uh, disorders. Uh, again, like, so this is the Staglin family. Really cool story here too, because their son was afflicted with schizophrenia um, in his early 20s. And they created this organization, One Mind, to help propel the research forward for people suffering with, with schizophrenia and other, other um, brain health issues. And he is now, the son is now the president of the organization. He's made like a full rebound to the point where he's like running the ship over there um, with his parents, which is just an awesome, awesomely cool story. Um, and then more recently, we partnered with the uh, MAPS organization, which is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. So one of the foremost leaders in propelling um, studies and health and wellness studies with some of these uh, psychedelic compounds, you know, whether it's to battle depression or PTSD, um, uh, along with uh, several other ailments, uh, they're they're really one of the comp one of the organizations at the helm to to push that um, push that research forward, and they've been a huge voice in the community to really um, press forward on like some of the uh, medicinal legal medicinal legalization processes and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we're we're so excited and so proud to be working with all all of these amazing organizations and supporting them however we can and. It's uh, yeah, it's a blast. Definitely. So I, I've got one question around that actually that just came to my mind. How do you go about choosing these different organizations to support? Because the driving force is you want to contribute back into the world. So how how do you actually go about like saying like these are the ones we're actually going to choose? Yeah, I mean, it, so far everything's started internally like kind of like so like the first one the national brain tumor society that one's obvious right my dad suffered from uh, gbm brain cancer then the next one was the michael j fox foundation for parkinson's which coincidentally my dad's best friend growing up uh, my uncle paul had been afflicted with parkinson's and they were like inseparable these two uh like two jokesters when they got together and my uncle paul passed the year after my dad. And um, it just was like a, another sign. It was like, okay, you know, like it just, it just clicked. And I was like, man, we gotta, this is another community we wanna give back to. Um, yeah, so it's just like kind of sometimes the stars like align, but a lot of them start internally. Uh, one mind, I've, you know, one of my best friends, growing up and, and several other people in my life have struggled with brain health uh, issues. So that's another, just something connected to me. And I feel like we could all like, if you look at your life, you could probably find things that you care about more passionately because they've affected you personally. And everybody has these things. Everybody knows somebody that's gone through a struggle that they've deeply cared about. So um, so far it started with that it started with selfishly. It started with my own personal struggles in my life that I want to give back to. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, 
<laughs> I think that's such an ironic phrasing. Like I selfishly chose this organization to give to. Like <laughs> you're still giving. It's not selfish. Yeah. But but I get what you mean. Um, yeah. It, I I think that is such a, a powerful way to go about choosing how to to donate to different organizations. Um, and, and I think being able to give to organizations is just really powerful, no matter how you go about it, right? Some people will do it monetarily. And if you have that ability, that's amazing. But like, even if you can't do it monetarily, go donate some time, yeah. go, you know, go, you know, maybe donate some services, right? If you're an entrepreneur and you have some services and you see they could use some help somewhere, go donate some services. Like, however you're able to contribute to that, that is so powerful. Because what I know with a lot of different organizations that are out there, like nonprofits and all these, all these different things that are supporting major causes, is they don't get nearly enough funding as they need to actually accomplish what it is they need to do. Um, they don't get nearly enough support from people and services to actually do the workload behind getting these things done. And if, you know, if we just started to contribute in whatever little ways we can, I know for a fact that that changes so many organizations, just, just the little bits, you know, if, if you have one person give a dollar, right, it doesn't seem like that much, but you give, you get a hundred thousand people to give a dollar a month. That's over a million dollars a year right there. That changes people's lives right there. And if, you know, if we could get more people to donate just a little bit, right? Whether it's with money, with time, with services, however that is, we could dramatically change the world very quickly. So quickly. Yeah. A hundred percent. I feel, I feel as though more, there's like a little bit of an awakening happening in society and more and more and more people are waking up to this. And understanding that, you know, business can thrive with a solid foundation of ethics as well. And with moral compass, like it doesn't just have to be a numbers game. You know, we can build a world where, listen, you could, if you like to make money because you want to travel around the world, you can still make money, but you can do so ethically with principles, with morals and give back to these other amazing companies or give a push here or lend a hand there. Um, yeah, man, I think it's a mindset thing. You know, it's a perspective thing, but I'm seeing that shift and I don't know, maybe it's just the circles that I'm in, but I feel like I'm seeing that shift online too. And people are starting to wake up a little bit and understand that. I think so too. And the, the key to make any major shift happens is individuals, right? Uh, there's, there's this great TED talk out there. It, I want to say it's like three minutes, but it's like, how do you start a movement, right? And, and the way it starts is there's this guy just standing on a hill, right? And he's starting to dance. Like, it's ridiculous. He's got no rhythm or anything. And he's just like, he's, he's just going at it, right? And for a while, he's just like, he's completely alone, right? But then all of a sudden, one person stands up and starts dancing with him. And then pretty quickly after that, another person and then another person and then another person. And then all of a sudden, like everybody on the hill is rushing to join in on this dance party, right? 
like it's it's the individuals that take one step at a time right even if it's a very small step that end up creating the actual movement and so these these movements are starting right but it still requires more individuals to jump in and, and dive into to changing the world that's right cody let's keep dancing brother exactly right like whoo yeah i've got i've got that white boy itis right where i don't know how like i've got two left feet and three hands like it doesn't make any sense but that's me <laughs> uh joe um of of everything we've gone through because we, we've definitely touched on so many different things if you had to leave just one thing with everybody what would you want that one thing to be to be left with everyone just um just be be true to yourself you know be true to yourself and and you know be true to yourself and make sure you give yourself time to kind of self-reflect and see who you are so you can be true to yourself. You know, don't get propelled forward with, uh, don't get caught up in just the, the narrative you've been telling yourself or the narrative that your friends or family are telling you. Look inside, find out who you are, where you want to be in life, which direction you want to go, what drives you, where's your passion and, and go in that direction. Absolutely. I love that. That that's such a powerful message that so many people need to hear because there's so many perceptions in the world and they try and put that perception onto you. And a lot of times that perception isn't true of you. And so you need to discover what is the truth of who you are. Because I think that's uh, we've talked a couple different times about why people are feeling the way they're feeling in the world. I think that's another part of it is that people don't know who they are. They haven't asked that question. They haven't pursued finding that question. And I've been there. So I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to feel lost, to feel like you don't have a purpose, to feel like if, you know, if I died tomorrow, it wouldn't matter. Like I get that feeling. And I also know how powerful it is when you stop and ask the question, who am I? What can I do in the world? What are the small things I can do today to put myself towards doing amazing things? I know how powerful that question is. And if more people did that, I think the world would completely change so quickly. Yeah. Can I, and can I add one? Yeah, do it. That? Do it. Don't forget how powerful you are as an individual. I think it's so easy to forget how much power we have in this world, what we can achieve, what we can accomplish, what, who we can inspire, the movements we can create. You know, be that dancer on top of the hill. You know, but remember, remember that that power, that's, that's within us all. It doesn't matter where you are now in your life. You could change that tomorrow. And I think that's really, it's so easy to forget. I'm guilty of it too. It's so easy to forget. But you constantly remind yourself of, of your potential. And I think that's super important. 
Absolutely. I'm 100% on board with you. One of the things we talked about earlier is, you know, if a smile can prevent someone from killing themselves, imagine how much more you can do with what talents you do have available to you right now. If all it takes is a smile to change someone's life completely, how much more can you actually accomplish with doing just a little bit more than that? Yeah, that's, that's just as simple as a smile. Amen to that. So, Joe, thank you so much. It's, it's been absolutely awesome conversation. I'm definitely going to continue to enjoy me some wise ape tea. <laughs> I I'm, haven't even finished all of this because the conversation's been so great. But I can tell you, I'm going to have another. I'm going to have another one later tonight. I'm going to have the orange dreamsicle before going to bed because that has been working for me really, really well. Awesome, Cody. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me on, having me be a part of this. It was uh, it was a beautiful conversation. Had a great time. Awesome. Thank you. Now, Joe wanted me to let you guys know about something really special. Wise Ape Teas just released a brand new flavor of their amazing tea called Lemon Vibration, a lemon lavender herbal tea blend designed for mood enhancement. You are definitely going to want to get this tea. Also, Joe mentioned during the episode that a part of the profits from each flavor of tea goes to help support a nonprofit and they are starting to allow the WiseApe community to vote for which nonprofits they would most like to see supported through their purchase of tea. To get your tea and support some great nonprofits, go over to www.wiseapetea.com vibes to get your mood to the right vibration. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Guide please make sure to go onto your favorite player of choice and there rate the show, then subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. Then, if you truly want to be a legendary leader, share this episode with someone that you know will be impacted because legendary leaders fuel not only themselves, but others as well to their heroic potential. If you want to unlock your heroic potential faster, then you will want to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders who are dedicated to unlocking their heroic potential, unlocking the heroic potential of others and where legendary leaders are born. The League of Legendary Leaders also has a goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofits that are actively undertaking causes to impact the future in areas including homelessness, neurodiversity, character strength, positive psychological research, and more. Seize the call now. Go to www.theleadership.guide and click Get Free Guidance Now to propel you on your journey to legendary leadership. I'm your host, Cody Dakota, and I'm honored to have spent this time with you today. My final message for you, and listen closely, it's time. Wake up your heroic potential. Let go of your fears and anxieties, and let's discover what is possible on your journey to become a legendary leader. Emerge and become who you were meant to be.